30 Illinois counties are now at the warning level for a resurgence of COVID-19. Exelon announces plans to close two of its nuclear power plants. The state is moving forward with its efforts to deploy broadband internet service in poorly served areas, just as many students are getting ready for another semester of online learning. And tobacco use is up among Illinois teenagers, despite efforts to bend that curve the other way. We'll talk about all that on this week's edition of Capital Cast. Hello and welcome to Capital Cast, a regular podcast of Capital News Illinois. I'm Peter Hancock and we're here this week with the entire Capital News Illinois news team, Bureau Chief Jerry Nowicki and reporters Rebecca Anzel and Ray Troncoso. Guys, good to see you all again. Good to see you, Peter. So it has been a busy week uh, for the news team. Late Friday, we just learned that there are now 30 Illinois counties, more than double the number from a couple of weeks ago, that are now at the warning level for a resurgence of COVID-19. Jerry, can you talk a little bit about what that means? What do these warnings mean and uh, why should people be uh, aware of this? Yeah, they update those countywide metrics um, so that they say, Dr. Zike has said, you know, beware uh, going out to restaurants here. There's X amount of people per 100,000 that are being uh, uh, coming down with this virus. So that, I mean, you might want to take added care to wear a mask and wash your hands because, you know, your, your county has uh, uh, an elevated level of this virus within it. Okay. And we have two regions, uh, regions that are made up of multiple counties, uh, that are, are now under increased restrictions. Uh, earlier this week, they just added, uh, I believe it's Region 7, which is Will and Kankakee counties, just south of the Chicago area. Uh, the Metro East area around St. Louis is under some increased restrictions. And do we expect those restrictions to stay in place? I mean, initially, Metro East was... Uh, scheduled to be under these for two weeks, and those expire on Wednesday, September 2nd, I believe. Uh, what do you think? Are we are we likely to see those stay in place or be tightened up? Uh, yeah, as you kind of reported this week, uh, there was a little bit of drama in that the governor uh, imposed stricter guidelines in the Will and Kankakee area than he did in the Metro East. And... Uh, the Belleville News Democrat reported that he was going to uh, do the same strict restrictions in the Metro East area the same day he did uh, in Kankakee and Will, but they were mad that he said that they'd have two weeks, uh, uh, basically with allowing bars and restaurants to remain open for in-person dining, um, because he still allowed that when he increased the restrictions in the Metro East. Uh, But in Kane, Kankakee and uh, Will counties, um, he took away that right away. So there's no uh, in-person dining or drinking uh, in those counties. So people are a little bit, and specifically Republicans from the Will and Kankakee areas, were uh, a little bit upset that uh, it appeared to be unequal. And I think the governor even came out and said he regretted not putting stricter uh, mitigation measures in place right away. He said that was a mistake on his part. Uh, but he did tell them that they were going to get 
two weeks uh, where bars and restaurants could stay open until 11. Um, but yeah, he's catching some heat for that. Yeah, and it's funny, Kelsey Landis, I was on a radio program with her today. She's a reporter for Belleville News Democrat, and she said one local bar, uh, unnamed local bar, had gotten around the 11 p.m. closure requirement for bars by closing at 11 and reopening at 12.01 a.m. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, the big news uh, outside of COVID-19 this week was the announcement by Exelon, which is the parent company of Commonwealth Edison, that they plan to close two nuclear power plants in the coming year. Uh, how big of a deal is this, and do we think that's really going to happen, Jerry? Uh, I was a reporter in Farmer City in the year 2016, which is in DeWitt County, and uh, Exelon at the time reported several times that they were planning on closing the Clinton uh, nuclear power plant in the county seat in DeWitt County, but uh, they ended up getting subsidies in the Future Energy Jobs Act of 2016 uh, to the tune of $235 million a year to keep that power plant open. So uh, there's a lot of speculation that they're angling at the same uh, type of leverage uh, that they received in 2016 with this 2020 announcement. Um, the plants are in Byron uh, and Dresden, the Dresden plant, which is outside of Morris or within Morris, right around Morris. Um, and they, while they said in their news release that it was independent of the governor's energy guidelines, which we discussed last week, um, it appears that they are trying to sort of lay out some legislative goals for what they say is making the uh, plants more economically feasible. And you mentioned the Future Energy Jobs Act of 2016. That act, by the way, is kind of at uh, one of the focuses of a federal corruption investigation uh, that has implicated House Speaker Michael Madigan. Uh, have, have we gotten any sort of sense from lawmakers that they want to go back and revisit that? Uh, maybe reduce or take away those subsidies? Yeah, the governor's office says they, the phrase they use over and over again is they have to, Exelon has to show their math and show the taxpayers and ratepayers of Illinois that uh, uh, their subsidies are indeed needed to keep them afloat. Uh, the governor said, you know, why can't you, uh, or maybe it was Senate President Don Harmon uh, in a statement that said, why can't you maybe take a little bit of a loss at this plant if you're already making X amount of dollars and keeping your shareholders happy. Okay. Um, and one thing you pointed out in your story is that those two plants uh, account for a combined, I think, $63 million a year in local property taxes for the cities and the counties and the school districts that they're in. Um, so how big of a hit is that going to be on those local communities, which I, I gather rather small, uh, mostly rural communities it's where they tend to yeah, put nuclear power it'd points be a major hit uh for the local programs that are funded through property taxes especially when so many other uh revenue streams for local governments are dwindling amid the pandemic sales tax and all that um one of the things they did uh, excellent did effectively in 2016 was rally the local communities like farmer city uh village of dewitt clinton to uh lobby lawmakers you know we need to keep these jobs in our communities and we need to keep uh, 
you know, Blue Ridge School District funded well uh, through these uh, taxes that this company pays. Okay. And so speaking of school districts, I want to switch over now to Ray Troncoso. Um, schools are getting ready to reopen. Many of them are going to be open only for online learning, uh, maybe a combination of in-person and online learning. And many of these districts are located in areas that don't have really good broadband internet service. Uh, can you talk to us about what the state's doing to try and get more broadband capability out there? Yeah, so even before the pandemic, when the Department of Commerce and Economic Opportunity released its Rebuild Illinois Capital Plan to the tune of like, you know, over $40 billion, um, part of that was a Connect Illinois plan of around $400 million, which seeks to bring basic broadband to every residence in the state or a community anchor institution, which they consider stuff like churches, um, libraries, things that people generally have open public access to in a community. For schools that are trying to reopen amid the pandemic, it seems like it is a big problem because there are many rural areas where even though they are offering online services to some students because of the lack of access to basic broadband in a lot of these rural counties, uh, students are choosing to come back in person. Um, one example was at the most recent State Board of Education meeting where they're talking to different uh, superintendents. There was one from Southeast Illinois, a small district of only about 1,600 students. And he said basically 90, over 90% of families chose for students to come back in person to school because they didn't have internet to do online learning. So it, it is kind of a problem. Um, I think in rural areas, uh, in in the state, there doesn't really seem to be much access to broadband at the moment. And even with this Connect Illinois plan, it doesn't seem like they're going to have access to internet until, or to basic broadband internet until 2024. Okay, and yeah, I was gonna ask, the goal here appears to be to get every household, all areas of the state, give them access to broadband internet. And, uh, but that's not gonna be done overnight. That's gonna take a while. It's gonna take time and a lot of money. So the what they've currently allocated is $400 million over those four years. Um, their schedule, I talked to Matt Schmidt, the director of the Office of Broadband, who's overseeing this program, and he says their timetable isn't based on fiscal years because they already have that $400 million allocated but based on calendar years. So they hope to have everyone by 2024, but he even admitted in an interview that it's it's a very ambitious goal. It's going to be hard to do. Um, they dispersed the first 50 million of that 400 million back in June for 28 projects across the state. And uh, based on those 28 projects, he said they plan to have about a quarter of them done by the end of this calendar year. Okay. Uh, and so Rebecca, while students are going back or not going back to school out of health concerns about COVID-19, uh, you wrote about some other health concerns, especially among teenagers, um, and having to do with tobacco use. Uh, can you talk about where these numbers came from? Yeah, um, the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, um, took a survey of national high school students. They found that half, half, 50% of Illinois high school students reported using an electronic tobacco product last year. Um, 
And they said that just sort of demolished any gains that that advocacy industry has accomplished in um, decreasing the amount of traditional cigarette use. And so while that's still down, e-cigarette use has completely surpassed it. Okay. And so 20 years ago, there was a big master settlement between all of the states and the major tobacco companies. Uh, states received billions of dollars uh, from the tobacco companies. Uh, many advocates, including the ones you talked to, were hoping that that money would go towards cessation programs and programs to discourage young people uh, from using tobacco. How has Illinois been using that money and has it gone to those kinds of programs? Illinois had just raised, um, I want to say a year ago, the tax on um, cigarettes. Now, I should mention electronic smoking products, uh, so e-cigarettes, vapes, um, tobacco, uh, excuse me, hookah, those aren't defined as cigarettes or tobacco products in the law. And so all of the, the new tax revenue generated from that bill um, is now being used in part for uh, capital infrastructure improvements. Um, the CDC had recommended that Illinois spend $136.7 million on cessation programs. Um, the American Cancer Society conducted a report last year they found that Illinois allocates 9.1 million, so that's 6.7% of the CDC recommended level towards cessation pro um, programs, education programs. And that's per year? Yeah. Okay, so that's a pretty small fraction of what the CDC recommends uh, with money going uh, for capital projects instead of uh, smoking cessation programs. I always found it kind of interesting that the theory behind the lawsuit when the states sued the tobacco companies was that the states suffered harm by having to treat people in Medicaid for smoking-related illnesses, and there were a lot of people who thought that money should have gone back into Medicaid or back into health care uh, for people. Illinois doesn't seem to have gone either way, either towards smoking cessation or health care. I do believe that some of the funds go toward the state's Medicaid program, but I couldn't tell you what that fraction is. Um, I can tell you, because you raise an interesting point, um, preliminary research out of Stanford had found that um, those who smoke are more likely to have COVID uh, severe, COVID-linked severe symptoms, um, to end up in a hospital, to end up in ICU, to end up on a, um, a ventilator. And so to your point, it's, it's, um, it seems as though research is showing that you know these students who are using electronic cigarettes, those who use them who aren't high school students, um, might cost the state additional funds in terms of, of their care if they get COVID. So do you think there will be any pressure on lawmakers um, to put more money into smoking cessation when they return for the fall veto session in November? I don't think we'll see anything in the fall, um, especially because former Senate President John Cullerton was like the biggest proponent to um, anti he was a huge anti-tobacco advocate uh and he as we know has since left he's replaced by the current senate president don Harmon. um senator julie morrison is a democrat from deerfield she also really is a staunch um opponent to the tobacco industry and so she said she might do something in january but i'm not so sure we'll see it in the veto session okay well that'll have to do it for this week's edition of capital cast Capital Cast is a production of Capital News Illinois, a statehouse reporting project of the Illinois Press Foundation. Until next time, this is Peter Hancock 
saying thank you for listening.